Good morning, everyone, and happy Tuesday. Today, I'm going in a little bit of a different direction, and I want to talk about breed discrimination. So there's a lot of, um, you know, laws that, that have been passed or a lot of uh, insurance companies who refuse to, like, insure or write insurance policies for people who own specific breeds of dogs. And this is something that really aggravates me to the very depths of my soul. Um, you know, growing up around dogs, my family, you know, they they were from South America. They didn't believe that dogs, you know, should be inside the house. Dogs were kept outside, fed outside, had puppies outside. You know, they lived completely outside of the house. Um, rarely ever allowed to come in unless it was really, really cold. And in Florida, you know, not super freezing temperatures. So it was very rare that they were allowed to come inside. Um, and, you know, of those dogs was a German Shepherd that I grew up with. And he was a very unstable dog. You know, now looking at, at those dogs as an adult, you know, looking back on their circumstances, um, that's pretty much where my love of animals started, uh, especially dogs, because from a very young age, it really bothered me um, that they lived outside. It bothered me that they were always dirty or cold or they were out there in the rain, you know, and I really, I used to get in trouble by my grandma, um, you know, for leaving the door in the kitchen open so that they could come up and I could pet them, you know, through the crack in the door. And, and she would yell at me and be like, oh, get those dogs outside in Spanish, of course, because to them, you know, growing up, dogs were dirty outside animals. Um, it's funny because the other day I had a conversation with my dad about our newest uh, pet that we've rescued. And he was like, you know, I never grew up seeing dogs as being, you know, parts of the family. You know, so he did, he was telling me a story about a dog that he had that looked just like our uh, newest rescue, who's a black lab, you know, and he was like, yeah, she was a beautiful dog, but she died, you know, after she had puppies and, you know, it just, it, it's something that really impacts me about, well, let's just say the miseducation about dogs um, or breeds or whatever. So I really started, um, you know, I, I used to have fears about certain breeds of dogs just because, you know, growing up, the German Shepherd that we had around us was a pretty aggressive dog. He was very dominant. He bit pretty much everyone in the family, all the cousins, bit me, bit my grandmother really bad, you know, attacked my cousin really bad. And I still feel sympathy for that dog. Um, his name is Kiki. I'm not sure if I've talked about this. I might have written about this on my blog um, because it's something that's very present in my mind uh, when I read stories or articles or see, you know, videos about how dogs are discriminated against because of their breed. When we fail to realize that the environment that a, a dog lives in really influences how that dog will behave and react the temperament that they might have. So, you know, I, when I moved to Fredericksburg, Virginia, uh, the first time, cause I've lived there a few times, I really got into liking pit bulls and a lot of people have a lot of preconceived notions about a pit bull, you know, about their temperament, their personalities, Usually it's a negative, um, you know, stigma that's on them. And, and I feel like that's coming around a little bit, you know, now in 2020 or, 
you know, this day and age, people are understanding dog psychology more because of people like my hero, Cesar Milan. Um, but it's something that really bothers me a lot. And, you know, again, going in a totally different direction today, just because I don't understand the human psychology about dogs. Um, you know, I've been, we, like I mentioned, we recently got a rescue. Uh, her name was Luna. And she, we got her through a local lab rescue here in Virginia. And it really bothers me that she wasn't given a chance by whoever her first family was, if you want to call them that. Um, you know, her situation is, we only know a little bit. We only know a little bit of those details. So what we do know is that, you know, she was bought, I guess, last year, I'm assuming for Christmas, because her birthday is actually on Christmas. And she was kept outside for the better part of a year or maybe the whole year. We don't know that whole story. Um, it sounds like a neighbor, you know, noticed that she was outside, neglected, whatever, forgotten. And they asked the owner if they could possibly rehome her, if they would be okay surrendering her to, you know, get her to the rescue to see if they could find her a better home. And the owner... I guess had no issues and was like, yeah, take the dog. And so that, for whatever reason, especially today, has been on my mind. Um, it's been on my mind since we got her because she's such a calm dog. You know, she's she's only a year old, so she has a lot of puppy energy. She, she nibbles, you know, that kind of stuff. Nothing serious. Um, but she's such a great dog. And, like, I look at her and I see in her face, like in her eyes, that she just wants to be loved. Like she just wants to snuggle and cuddle, you know, and be a permanent part of you, <laughs> you know, like just sitting here. And so I, I, it gets me thinking about, you know, why people are so quick to do the things that they do to dogs. As far as the breed discrimination thing, um, none of my dogs, uh, you know, Bo is also a rescue we're not sure what his, you know, DNA says. I mean, when we got him, the rescue paper paperwork listed that he was a coonhound mix, but we're not sure. I mean, he kind of, you know, if you know anything about animals, especially mixed breeds, they carry a lot of those traits, um, you know, of other dogs, and you can't really tell what they are. But thankfully for these three dogs, you know, these are not dogs that are normally discriminated against. Um, I got to thinking last night, because I woke up in the middle of the night for some reason, couldn't go back to sleep right away, about the dog I had with my last, um, my ex, my last relationship. And he was a Pitbull German Shepherd mix. And I just started kind of going through, because I was thinking about him, I think he's going to be 10 this December, um, you know, so he's getting up in age. And although I don't ever get any updates, I, I fear the day that I get a potential email or text that say that says that he's moved on. Um, even though he's not my dog anymore, you know, he will always be my dog. But I used to be afraid of pit bulls and German shepherds, just like everybody else. And I got to a point where I used to go to the pounds and to the shelters when I lived in Fredericksburg, just to look at the dogs, you know, give them some affection. I would cry my eyeballs out, but I felt like at the very least they were getting love from somebody. So that was like a, a regular thing I used to do. And then I decided to start volunteering at the SPCA down in Fredericks or in Spotsylvania. And, you know, that's where I really 
came face to face with pit bulls for the first time. You know, I, I'd seen things in, on TV and, and I never, you know, for me, I never blame the dog. That's just not something that is, you know, like on my mind when I see stories about people getting bitten or whatever, or dog fighting, you know, we all know that that's the humans. But I realized that I had some biases myself. And so when I initially started volunteering, I'm not a cat person, but I was just cleaning the cat condos is what they're called. There's like three to five cats in each condo. I have really bad allergies to cats and I have allergies to dogs too, but I was afraid to go, you know, handle or, or work with the pit bulls or, you know, walk them. And then my allergies got so bad one day that I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go walk the dogs. So my ex at the time too, he was the one who initially started volunteering. So he kind of brought me there. Um, and he was very conscious of, you know, each dog cause he had been there a few weeks before I had and knew who could do what, who could go where and what the personalities were. So I slowly, you know, started making my way into working with the dogs. And I realized that every single pit bull that I came across um, was just a big, gentle cuddle bug, you know, and, and some of them had dog aggression issues. And again, I don't think that's because of dogs. I think a lot of that stuff is because of the fear of the dog that you have, that you bring into your house and, you know, that anxiety or that energy feeds to them as fear. And it just becomes a bad situation. It becomes a very tense situation. And, you know, if you follow Caesar Milan or if you have over all the years that he's had his show, which I did and which I still do, um, you know, he talks very much about the energy that you are putting out, you know, to your animals and how it's very important, excuse my squeaky floors, how it's very important to, you know, pay attention to how you're feeling, what you're, you know, what energy you're portraying and being calm and relaxed, but also being assertive. So the thing that changed my mind about pit bulls happened at this very SPCA. And, you know, I had heard, I think that we started volunteering because we had heard about the whole Michael Vick thing and the pit bull fighting rings. And, and I read some stories and, you know, some accounts of what people had done or seen, um, you know, and had happened to those dogs. And it really, really impacted me. And again, I always loved dogs, but it just kind of compounded on my love and like my advocacy for dogs, period. So I remember there was a pit bull, I think his name was Jaden, that was super like hyperactive. So, you know, the minute you'd go open the gate, he would jump and like, he wouldn't bite. He would just kind of grab. If you, if you have a dog, you know that sometimes they mouth you a little bit and it's not out of any dominance or anything like that. Like for him, he was excited. And I remember in that instant, like feeling this overcoming or this overwhelming, like sense of fear. But I was like, no, he's just excited. You know, and I, I remember calming down, taking him out and he was just so excited to get out, run around, bring him back. There was another really old pit bull named, his name was Nitro while he was at the uh, SPCA and he had no teeth. Um, so 
there were a number of things that, you know, were put on his little placard that were on his glass, but he had no teeth. He was super old and he always had a sweater on. And I remember like looking at these dogs and just seeing a dog, you know, just seeing these personalities where Jaden was just this young, you know, two-year-old pit bull who wanted to play. Nitro was this like nine-year-old, you know, I think he might've been seven, seven to nine-year-old, you know, whatever. He was a senior pit bull wearing his little sweater with no teeth. And there was one that I can't remember her name, but she was a white, you know, all white pit bull. She had some tan little spots, had one on her face. And she was big, you know, she was a very muscular, strong dog, very calm. And I remember taking her out into the little pen to use the bathroom. And what I used to do was I'd take, you know, you take them out one at a time. You sit out there. You're not supposed to sit for a very long period of time to let them do their business. But that was how I did my time there. I would sit outside for 10 to 15 minutes with each dog, you know, let them roam around, do their thing, play, pee, smell, whatever they wanted to do. And so I took her out and I sat on the bench and I was just kind of like off in my own thoughts, letting her do her thing. And there was a really long bench out there. And so I used to kind of face out to the right, you know, just to let her kind of have her moment and do her thing. And I, you know, it's, it's really important with dogs that you're not in their space right away. Like Caesar talks about that too. Like no talk, no touch, no eye contact until they're in a relaxed state of mind, then you can, you know, offer affection. So I tried to practice that when I was there. And I remember sitting, you know, and and I used to think a lot about like, why do people, you know, blame this breed? Or why do people put this ugly stigma? And I look around and I'm like, oh my gosh, where did she go? I I don't know if her name was Queen or what her name was. Um, something like that, something regal. Uh, but you know, I was like, oh crap, did she get out or, so I end up like turning just facing to the left and she's just sitting there like this perfect little statue on the bench that I'm sitting on. And I remember being like, how did I not even, you know, because she was sitting so still, I guess she didn't, you know, come into my peripheral zone and I didn't notice her. But I remember like looking over at her And it's very vivid to me, like the feeling, the moment, and just being like, how can anyone say the things that they say about this breed? And I get choked up because it really, it really impacted me, you know, seeing those dogs and knowing that they probably wouldn't be getting adopted because in the state of Virginia, there are very strict restrictions on, you know, for apartment complexes or for rental, rental properties. And it really bothered me because I was like, these dogs are never going to find homes because the state has made it so difficult for people to have pit bulls, you know, or any pit bull mix, you know, that they're completely restricted, you know, along with all the other breeds that are restricted or that are deemed aggressive breeds, you know, which are Rottweilers, German Shepherds, Dobermans, pit bulls, um, bulldogs. Uh, sometimes even boxers make it on that list. And, you know, it was really unsettling to me because I've always believed that there's no such thing as an aggressive breed of dog. And I've always, for whatever reason, understood, especially then, that with pit bulls, they are a product of their environment. 
you know, just like a human being is a product of their environment. If you grow up in poverty around drug users or alcoholics, um, you know, if you are a person who's sexually abused or physically abused as a child, it really shapes who you become throughout your life. You know, unless you do the work to rehabilitate yourself to not be a product of your environment. And so I've always felt the same way about dogs. And, you know, again, when I watch Caesar, you know, his whole method is to rehabilitate the animal because the human has caused that animal, you know, to react or behave the way that they do. You know, whether it's inadvertent, you know, or it's it's just the environment that they provided. If it's just exactly what it is, they're not a responsible pet owner or they're, you know, abusive. Um, but that's a huge thing when it comes to dogs, especially the breeds. Humans chose to domesticate animals, right? Because we wanted companions or we needed them to do work for us. But we started to domesticate animals for a need, for a necessity that we had. You know, so it, it really bothers me when I see the negative stigmas or the negative thought processes behind a dog who's a certain breed um, and how that dog is basically, you know, nothing, you know, it's garbage or it's just a dog. Um, and that's a term that I absolutely hate is when somebody says, oh, it's just a dog. If it was just a child, we wouldn't be treating it the same way. And that's how I look at it. Um, I've taken a couple like college courses. Hopefully I'll have my associates and I know that's not a big deal to some people, but, but it is for me because I am changing my legacy. Um, and even if it's just an associate's Nobody in my family outside of my sisters have college degrees, you know, not talking about cousins and all that, but just immediate family. You know, my parents did not, my father didn't complete high school. My mom did some college. So, you know, it's a big deal for me. And in some of the classes that I've had to take, like speech class, and I took, a, uh, I think, a couple of communications classes, a couple writing classes, the subject that I always go to is exactly that, breed discrimination, and why there are no such thing as aggressive breeds of dogs. Um, I think a lot of it is a way for insurance companies to make money, to be honest. Um, you know, again, I'm not a statistics person. I, you know, I really just get on here to talk about my own personal feelings or experiences about the things that I think about. And I know that there's you know, statistics out there. Um, a lot of insurers don't want to write a homeowner policy for someone that has a breed that is considered to be dangerous. Um, and it's not actually based on the actual, you know, the, the real, the actual characteristics of that dog. So because it's a pit bull, pit bulls fight, pit bulls bite other dogs, they're aggressive, blah, blah, blah. Pit bulls are off the list. Can't go anywhere. Can't have them. Can't deal with them. Um, the funny thing is when I did, um, I did a speech initially, um, and it was a persuasive speech for my speech class. And it was on that topic that there's no such thing as aggressive breeds. And when I was, you know, I did have to research and do all of that because it's college writing courses. The number one most aggressive dog 
was actually a dachshund. <laughs> so, you know, a little wiener dog. They're the ones that they had the highest number of like public, you know, bites than a pit bull did. And a pit bull was like number nine at the bottom. Um, you know, so it, we're starting to see like a shift, I think, in society about dog psychology, which is huge, which is really important to me. Um, you know, because any little small step to me is a is just one step closer to, you know, really seeing dogs in the way that they should be seen, seeing animals, you know, as being part of, you know, this bigger picture of humanity. So I got to thinking about it today because when I had um, my last dog, Irock, he was a German Shepherd pit bull mix. Um, it had been, you know, my ex-husband and I had split up and he took our dog Shelby, you know, and had her for those 12 years or however many years we were apart at that point. And I wasn't ready to get another dog because I loved Shelby like beyond anything I've ever loved. Um, you know, close second to our family dog, Pluto, who was also a lab pit mix. Um, but you know, I, I was really not ready to have another dog. And then I think it was about three years after losing her to my ex-husband, I was ready. I was like, you know what? I just want to look at a dog. I was living in an apartment and I was alone most of the time because I was in a relationship and he was much younger than me. So, you know, I was living there by myself and I looked on Craigslist, you know, and I was just looking for puppies and, I texted a number, you know, about these uh, Pitbull German Shepherd puppies. I saw one in the pictures that had blue eyes, and that's the one that I wanted. And so I messaged the the person and, you know, ended up getting in touch with them. Went to go look at the puppies, and, you know, big old Pitbull mama, big old German Shepherd, had to be mixed with something else. Um, you know, greeted me at the door. The lady let me in and she was like, I'm not asking for any money. So if my son told you that, that's not true. She's like, I'm just giving them away to people who, you know, I really feel like they will be in a good home. And so we're looking at the puppies and here comes this little fat butterball and he like puts his paws on me and he runs outside and stands between my ex's legs. And we were basically like, well, I guess this is our dog. Now, I knew my apartment complex didn't allow certain breeds. They had breed restrictions, which were German Shepherds, Dobermans, Pit Bulls, Rottweilers. Um, so I didn't care. <laughs> I, uh, when I took him to the vet for his first you know, checkup after taking him from the lady, he was a 28-pound, four-month-old puppy. So he was already pretty big. You know, he was very scared of everything. And the lady had told me, you know, that the puppies had started to kind of fight over food, but because they're so big, you know, and, and they're two very dominant breeds, she was like, I just don't want it to get any worse. So, you know, just trying to get them to good homes. I don't want to give them to a rescue or a shelter because we know what happens to those breeds. So when I took him to my vet, you know, the vet was like, do you know what he is? And I said, well, he's a German Shepherd Pitbull mix puppy, you know, and I saw the parents and they, they were those breeds. And because the vet was like, you know, it's really tough in Virginia to have either of these breeds if you're living in a complex, etc. So she was like, I'm just going to put him down as a shepherd mix. And the good thing is 
He's a great dog. He was a great dog. He wasn't aggressive. He was very scared of a lot of things at first. So he would bark and like cry and he would act aggressively um, because he was so scared. And, you know, the vet kind of did us a solid. I remember walking him in downtown Fredericksburg when he was a puppy, when we just got him. And, you know, even though I love Caesar, it's very hard for me to be a calm person because I'm usually living in an, in an anxious, um, you know, energy. That's just who I am. I, I try to turn it off. I can't. I'm just a very anxious person. And I remember walking him down the sidewalk and I saw this big German shepherd and I knew that he was scared and would start barking. But I just, you know, kept walking and the lady who had, she actually had two German shepherds. One was an older one. I think older male and then a younger female. And she was like, hey, you know, can I stop you for a second? And I said, sure. She was like, I noticed that you tensed up, you know, when you start, when you saw me sitting here with your puppy, I noticed that you kind of tensed up. Would it be okay if I took him, you know, and just walked with him for a minute? And I remember thinking like, okay, you know, I was like, darn, I thought I was the dog person here, but you know, I was kind of like shocked that she was like willing to not only call me out on that behavior that was probably creating his anxiety, but that she was willing to take a minute to show me, you know, and explain that her, her German shepherd, I think the female was really good with puppies. And she was like, you know, she's really good at kind of teaching, you know, any other puppies that we've had, or I think they might've fostered how to behave. And so she was like, do you mind if I take your puppy really quick? And I remember standing there like, you know, it's an awkward situation, but I was like, absolutely, like, please. He seems afraid of everything. You know, it's not something that I've ever dealt with. And she took Iraq and she took her pet and just walked. And he was totally fine. Like it was, it was almost like watching Caesar. Her energy was so calm. You know, she knew what to look for. She knew what to put out there that he just walked quietly and calmly along with that shepherd. And it really, you know, kind of put out there to me like, wow, there's so many, there's so much misinformation about dogs and the breeds and their demeanor, their temperament. And it was just, you know, a lesson for me at that time to really understand, you know, my own pet and other pets. And, you know, over time, I didn't have any issues at the complex um, with my dog. I remember there was an aggressive dog there, but I think it was just an older dog who kind of had a hard time moving around. So I think that's why she was a little bit more aggressive. She was probably in pain and uncomfortable, you know, and we have to understand that just like old people, old dogs, you know, suffer from some pain sometimes and some discomfort, you know, so I never had any issues with IROC. Um, you know, and we started socializing him as soon as he was, you know, all up to date on his vaccinations. We started going to the local dog park. And that's really where I learned the what I know now about dogs. What, you know, and everything that I learned from Caesar and watching TV and reading books too. And, but I learned so much in those, in that dog park from so many different people, like so many different walks of life, so many different breeds of dogs that I really gained an understanding about like dog psychology, what to do, what not to do, how to react, you know, how to diffuse a situation, how to protect your dog, how to, you know, 
share knowledge with other people. And, and if you're a person, I would say in this area we live in now in Northern Virginia, people up here are very snooty. And there's a lot of dog people who are not dog people up here, you know, and I, what I mean by that is they come to the dog park and they don't want their dog to socialize with any other dog, you know, or they bring certain toys that they don't want other dogs to play with. And it's like, you're in a public park. Dogs don't know the difference between his toy and my toy. They just know toy. So, you know, if you're that, what I've noticed in this area is that's the type of person that we usually encounter at the park, Um, which is why I don't go as much anymore. Um, Because for me, taking them to socialize is supposed to be about them, not about me, not about focusing on whatever person is walking in who doesn't like A, B, and C about this dog or that dog, or they don't like this person, or they don't want a dog to come up to them. It's very odd to me. Um, But, you know, we started socializing IROC, very strong, you know, dominant breeds at a very young age, and it took a lot of learning and a lot of time. And I never had any issues, considering I think that his markings are what had people confused because he was pretty much a black dog, Um, He had some brindle, he had the pit bull mask, you know, so he had that little thin line between his nose and eyes that went around his snout. um, And that was a brindle color. And he had uh, white paws for the most part, kind of a white chest. And so he looked, people used to ask me if he was a a Bernice mountain dog, but he just wasn't that long haired. Um, So I never had any issues. There were some times where people would be like, oh, that's a pit bull, isn't it? And I'd be like, well, he's a mix. Um, but not in any negative way, but you know, big dog, he was probably 110 pounds was his average weight. So very big dog, but I was always in control of, of my dog. Um, you know, I, I never had any issues. He was a phenomenal pet and he was the reason for my like love and my interest and passion about advocating for dogs. Even if I can't do that monetarily right now or with my time because I have three dogs now. Um, But he's the reason why I would have tough conversations about breed discrimination. And back to the speech that I did, um, we had to, you know, our, our whole goal in that assignment was if we could persuade one person in the class, um, you know, to, believe and and kind of like change their mind about what their you know bias or whatever opinion might have been then we did our job and I remember at the time Sophie Gamond who's a photographer she this was back you know Instagram wasn't super popular but I had an Instagram and she started this pitbull flower power campaign And the basis of that campaign was, again, to highlight that breed, you know, in a more light, like, you know, manner, like in a a more, what's the word word I'm looking for? Like a more positive quality, I guess. And so she had shared some pictures on her Instagram, you know, and what she would do is she would photograph pit bulls from shelters and her and her team would create these flower crowns, you know, kind of like hippie, the little flower crowns. And, you know, she would photograph them with those floral crowns on in a very soft light, you know, pastel colors. She did puppies, seniors, 
um, everything and every kind of pit bull, fighting dogs, um, you know, just neglected, abused. And so that was her campaign, pit bull flower power. And so I used some of those images um, during my speech and I talked about, you know, how breed discrimination works and how the whole insurance company thing and, you know, how it's all basically about money because it usually is but how it's also detrimental to responsible pet owners, um, you know, and their families. For most of us, pets are parts of our, they are a part of our family. They are a family member. Um, They are somebody who is there to confide in, um, you know, who's there when you're feeling down. Um, And again, I get emotional because I love dogs. And I don't think, I think my family (laughs) and my, you know, fiance, he's like, I've never known anybody who loves dogs like the way that you do. And I think sometimes it makes people uncomfortable, which it shouldn't, because it's just like someone who loves children or who loves birds or who loves cats. I love dogs unconditionally. I don't care if I've been bitten. I don't care if a dog didn't want to be my friend. I love dogs. I love the broken ones, the disabled ones, the sick ones, the old ones. I just love dogs. So for people like me, and I have a, you know, I have a few friends who feel the same way that I do about their pets. And they're not just pets, like they are my babies, they're my daughters, my son. Um, you know, they are my entire universe. I think it's it's maybe it's easier for me to feel that way, but in the class you know, I shared those pictures. I shared some of the statistics about state laws and, you know, insurance and, um, you know, some stories. And I even shared about, you know, being a responsible pet owner, making sure that your dog is spayed or neutered if you don't plan to, you know, have breed your dog. Um, and just talking about how we have to give them a chance, you know, to be rehabilitated And I'll never forget, you know, I had a, I got a lot of comments after my speech that was like, wow, I never thought of dogs that way, or I never thought of it that way, or I'm not a dog person. But there was one girl and her name was Kaylee. And she was kind of a country girl, very much a cat person, super funny, like super sweet girl. She's probably 10 years younger than me at that time, because I'm always the oldest one in the class. And she came up to me and she was like, you know, I just want to let you know that your speech today really inspired me. Like it really made me think differently about pit bulls or, you know, whatever about those breed discrimination labels. And it, you know, I really want to maybe adopt a dog. And I told her, you know, how much I appreciated that. And I said, you don't have to go out and get a dog tomorrow. You know, if it, if it resonated with you and if it impacted you and if it made you think a different way, that's all I wanted to do. And so before the class was over, you know, before our semester was over, um, probably the last couple days of the class, she told me that she had decided to adopt a dog, you know, and she was researching and, you know, it really, that's something that stuck with me. That was probably back in 2015-ish, maybe. Um, Seems like a long time ago, but I guess it's not. But yeah, that's something that really impacted me was making, you know, changing someone's mind or, or, you know, not even changing their mind, but allowing them the freedom to think differently um, from someone else's point of view. 
And so when I see a lot of things about breed discrimination or, you know, oh, pit bulls are aggressive, German shepherds are aggressive. If you don't know your history about certain breeds and what they were bred for, you know, at a certain point, for example, pit bulls were used as nanny dogs in the 1900s. A lot of people know that, but they don't. Um, You know, they were used to watch over the children. So if you Google, I'm sure you'll find old photographs of pit bulls with infants or young children. Um, You know, just like German shepherds are working dogs. If you live in a tiny, you know, 900 square foot apartment and you get a German shepherd and you're not exercising that German shepherd or, you know, training that, that dog, you're being a responsible pet owner. And, and an irresponsible pet owner is the one who has issues with their dog. You know, um, you have to exercise that dog. They require probably four to five hours of exercise a day, not a week, a day. Like I know Bo, he is two and a half years old, our, our little boy. He will not be tired and he's gotten a little bit better now because he's getting older, but initially he wouldn't be tired unless he had like a four hour long play date somewhere, either with another dog or just outside. I can run him for three miles and he will come in this house and get the zoomies like you wouldn't believe. Like he's running up and down stairs. I don't know where he gets the energy from. But he is a dog who requires a lot of energy, although they're all sleeping right here next to me. Parker's upside down. Bo's got his head between his legs and Shelby's just snoring like the old lady she is. Um, You know, they all require different kind of uh, exercise or attention, you know, And, and I think a lot of people forget that. A dog isn't aggressive just because it is. Are there dogs that have chemical imbalances? Absolutely. And if you watch enough Caesar, he he talks about that. If you have a dog that's already aggressive or displaying aggressive behavior that's not getting any better, he calls that a red zone case. That's a dog that needs serious, like 24 hour a day, seven day a week rehabilitation. You're not going to fix that by putting him in a crate or locking him up outside. And, you know, what I don't understand as far as Parker goes is she's not a bad dog. The first day we had her here, she was jumping, you know, jumping all over us, knocking over our drinks. It was almost like she was just desperate for attention. So all I could think was, okay, so let me let me put myself in her paws. She was tied up outside all day, every day. So assuming that she was getting fed regularly, the only time that she was probably looking for attention was when she was getting fed. And so she was jumping probably on a leash tied up to something that, you know, that was her only, her only way to communicate like, Hey, I'm so excited to see you. And she's not jumping really anymore. She jumps on us as far as like trying to sit here and snuggle. Like she likes to be hugged on and she's very affectionate, but that behavior went away quickly. She's kind of a, she likes to mouth us, but that behavior took all of like three days to get her to understand no bite. Um, You know, she's got some other issues, like she eats poop, um, a lot of poop. (laughs) But what I, what I'm trying to understand is maybe she didn't have a regular feeding schedule, you know, so she was eating whatever was available out there. There's a whole slew of things as to why dogs eat poop. And I, you know, have been researching online, what can I do to get her to stop? 
you know, so we've had to come up with alternatives like using the e-collar. And we're not big on the shocking aspect of those collars, but the vibrate is enough to get, you know, snap their attention back so they're not doing that behavior. But she's a phenomenal dog. And I don't understand why somebody wouldn't want her or wouldn't want to work with her. If you're getting a puppy, which is something that I am completely against, it, it frustrates me to no end when people purchase a puppy as a gift, and it's usually for Christmas, and then forget that that puppy becomes a dog and that dog is your responsibility. It needs to be fed and trained and loved and socialized and exercised. So if you're buying a puppy for your two and three-year-olds, they're not going to be the ones taking care of that puppy. You are. So if you're not ready you know, to take over that responsibility of a living, breathing creature to be the person who feeds them, gives them shelter, you know what I mean? Make sure that they're up to date on vaccines, they're safe, happy, healthy, protected, then don't get a dog. And so considering, you know, Parker was born on Christmas Day, that's her birthday. I know for a fact that she was bought as a pet, probably for kids. And then, you know, she's a black lab. They have a ton of energy. They're she has proven to be one of the most intelligent dogs. And, and granted, we have a Vishla. Vishlas are very intelligent hunting dogs. They're bird dogs. Bo, not sure still what he is, very intelligent dog, like super intelligent. And she is on that same level. Like she is a very intelligent animal that I'm like, if somebody would have just taken the time to train her, you know, to pay attention to her, she could have been a perfect family dog for wherever she was at. But now she's our perfect family dog and she can lay here upside down on the couch all day if she wants to. Um, And she's totally fine with that. But dogs are very important to me. And this is probably the longest episode (laughs) that I've ever put on here. But it's something that I'm so passionate about that I try to teach people, even my my own parents. You know, my mom was not an animal person and she loves my dogs. She loves all of, you know, my sisters, boxers. She loved their, her dogs, but she loves my dogs. Like she will, when I talk to her on the phone, she'll be like, I miss my grandbabies. I miss my grand dogs. I miss Bo. I miss Shelby. How's Parker? I miss Parker, you know? And, and my mom was the person that when I would bring dogs home, she would call the pound and like take the, I mean, very traumatic for me, but she was not a pet person. Just like my dad. My dad did not believe that animals were like on the same playing field or equal, whatever, to how we should treat humans. And even my dad, you know, on Facebook or, or if I talk to him on the phone, will ask how his grand dogs are doing, you know? So really my whole message here is like, if you're a person who doesn't understand a breed, or you don't understand, or you're misinformed, or you didn't grow up with or grow up around dogs, they're very complex creatures, but they are a product of the environment that they're put in. If they're used for fighting, they're going to fight. If they're used for breeding, they're going to breed. You know, there's nothing that they can do to control that. What I hate seeing is how especially with those, you know, I don't call them, they're not aggressive breeds. They're more dominant breeds because they're usually working dogs like the German Shepherd, um, Rottweilers, you know, think about over the years of your life, you see a Rottweilers guarding a junkyard or you see a a German Shepherds working with police officers. Um, 
you know, so those dogs have very important roles in society and and in our lives, honestly. And, you know, recognizing that hopefully, you know, we're coming into a time where this breed discrimination stuff isn't going to be so much of an issue. There are a lot of ignorant people out there. And a lot of those ignorant people are the ones who are writing these laws and policies. And, you know, they're, they're the ones who are, are creating that, um, you know, breed discrimination uh, type of atmosphere, you know, for people like me who I would accept any breed into my house, um, you know, and it's not, it's not about the dog. It's about what I do for that dog. Um, and it's the reason why my dogs are very well-balanced dogs. They're, they're not aggressive. They're a little hyper, you know, so if they see another dog, they think, you know, because they've spent time at the park that it's time to play. But, you know, I feel like we've done the work to have a really balanced pack. Um, and the funny thing is, is I'm not the pack leader. My fiance is, he's the one that has the more calm energy, you know, that they're a little more receptive to because I have an anxious you know, that's just where I'm at. I'm just an anxious person. Um, and again, like I have to be conscious of that because I don't want my dogs to be unbalanced or unstable. Um, but you know, I feel like I've talked enough about this and I probably didn't even cover the whole breed discrimination thing. Um, anyways, and it looks like I just looked down and it says the maximum recording time for segments is 60 minutes. Keep an eye on the clock. And I'm at 45. So with that, I just want to say, be informed, you know, be educated about dog psychology. Um, if you're looking for a pet, really do the work to find a pet that's right for you. There were about 15 dogs that we saw through the lab rescue that we used that we wanted, and none of those panned out, you know, whether they were sick, had dog aggression issues, food issues. We wanted to make sure that we were bringing the right pet into our home and into our pack. We wanted to bring a pet that could interact with ours, you know, that could have could play but could also be mellow enough for our 14 year old dog and so it's really important that just like you research buying a car or buying a house or buying a purse or whatever it is that you're passionate about do that same work for the pet that you're bringing into your home and so with that love and light to you all if you have your pets hug them love on them keep them close Um, And if you have any questions, I'm always here to try to share. I don't know if there's messaging capability on here, but um, if you're curious, just let me know. Have a good day.